in this episode of The Adventurous Gentleman, I sit down with Drew Conover, who runs the Rev Hiker YouTube channel, which focuses on lightweight backpacking, knives, and camping. So head on over there, check out his channel. It was a lot of fun to sit down with him and talk. I learned some really cool, interesting things, not only about lightweight gear, but also some very cool stuff about knives and knife sharpening. So listen up. Hope you enjoy. Don't forget, check out mountainops.com. Use the coupon code TAG10 to get 10% off. And for some free Maven swag with your order, head on over to mavenbuilt.com and enter the coupon code NBHGIFT at checkout. Boom. If you are ready to take the hard road, the road less traveled, the path in life where the journey is more important than the destination. Then you are in the right place. Prepare to live with vigor. This is the Adventurous Gentleman Podcast. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Adventurous Gentleman Podcast. And today we have our special guest, Drew Conover. Some of you who are big fans of YouTube may recognize him more as Rev Hiker. He is an outdoorsman, a hunter, an ultralight hiker, a YouTuber, and a big-time knife enthusiast. Drew, welcome to the show. Uh, thanks for having me on. Glad to be here. I'm glad you're here, too. Uh, I don't know if I've ever spent so much time talking to a guest before turning on the microphones. I can tell already this is going to be a really fun show. Drew, people who watch your YouTube channel know you're really into ultralight hiking, but on a budget, which is kind of an oxymoron, like skinny yeah. fat. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> how, how, do you, how do you do ultralight hiking or backpacking on a budget? Um, well, you kind of have to be creative because, um, you know, ultralight, it's kind of like it goes hand in hand with spending a ton of money. You know, I saw this one video where this guy said, ultralight on a budget, you know, get your whole kit for $1,500. And I'm like, <laughs> wow, you know, that's, that's cheap, uh, for, for a lot of these ultralight guys when they're, they're spending 300, 400 bucks on a pack, you know, and, and, uh, 400 bucks on a sleeping bag. And, and it just like, the stuff adds up, but basically what I do is I just try to find cheaper alternatives or I, some, sometimes I make my own stuff or I repurpose stuff. Um, and if you, if you sit down and you spend some time and you think about it, there's a lot of ways to save money. You know, you don't have to go buy the best of everything. You can just, you know, there's usually cheaper alternatives. Now, what would be some tips you would suggest to people who are just getting into ultralight hiking when they're out there searching the interwebs? Um, so I would, I would probably just tell them to take in as much information as you can, you know, uh, try to, uh, you know, watch a lot of videos and, and do your research and don't, um, I don't try to go into it all at once cause you'll probably make some bad decisions. Um, you know, there's a lot of ways to, you know, kind of start lightening the stuff that you have, uh, just by bringing less, you know, most people, their biggest mis mistake is they bring way too much stuff, stuff that you just don't need. And that, that's how I got into it. All right. Let's talk about that a little bit. What if we were to open your pack, right, right before you go out on a say week long trip, what's in there? Uh, basic stuff. It's, it's, there's a lot of just basic stuff. So I'll have my hammock in there. I, I got to sleep in a hammock with my back. I don't I don't sleep on the ground anymore. Really? So you prefer the hammock to say a sleeping pad? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Now, do you go hammock with like a rain fly? Yeah. So there, it's just a rain fly over top, you know, just a tarp and my hammock. And then... Um, You're only using a tarp. So not like I know Eno makes a specialty like fold out rain fly. Are you just throwing like a blue tarp over the top? Oh, no, no. I've, I've got like a nylon... You okay. know, like a, a nylon or silni tarp. Um, silni is just nylon with silicone impregnated into it, so it's a lot more waterproof. Really? Yeah. Where mm -hmm. do you get something like that? <laughs> uh, uh, there's a ton of people who make it. Uh, my current one I use is um, by a small guy from New Hampshire. He's just kind of like a one-man show. And he um, 
actually has really good prices as far as ultralight stuff goes. And a lot of his stuff isn't the lightest in the world, but it's also, you know, less than a third of the price of a lot of these other tarps. You know, I've, I've seen tarps for 300 bucks. And, you know. and do you happen, do you know the name? Do you yeah, it's, it's uh, twogosystems.com. The, the number two, then G-O systems.com. He's, he's a good guy. Brian is his name. And, uh, you know, he, he, uh, he designs everything, and then he has it manufactured to his specs. And when he first started, um, he contacted me on YouTube, and I helped him develop several of the products. You know, and, like, and I was kind of his uh, the main tester for a lot of his stuff. So I use a lot of his stuff because I like it. <laughs> That's, when you've designed it, yeah. you hopefully like yeah. it. I won't say I designed it. I, I'll just he asked me, and I suggested some changes here and there. But he, you know, he's done the bulk of it. I don't want to make it seem like I'm taking credit for his designs, but I helped him develop stuff. Gotcha. Does he make uh, the hammock you're using as well, or no? But what he does make uh, is my replacement for a sleeping bag. Uh, at least for summer months and stuff, which is, it's called the uh, trifecta. And it's it's made out of uh, like a Tyvek material with uh, like an aluminized reflective coating. So it reflects like 85% of your body heat back to you. So instead of like having this huge, bulky, heavy sleeping bag, I use this. And you can use it as a tarp uh, if you wanted to sleep on the ground. You can use it as a like a waterproof bivy. If you just wanted to sleep underneath the stars and you thought you might get some rain, it can be like an emergency shelter. I can I rig it up underneath my hammock like an underquilt to reflect a lot of the heat back to me so I don't get heat loss through the bottom. And I've even used it as like a hammock pod where it just wraps around the entire thing. So it, it's a pretty versatile piece of gear. Wow. Now, so is it about the same thickness as a piece of Tyvek? Or? Yeah. Really? Yeah, it feels like a heavy-duty piece of Tyvek. And, uh, you know, but it's got all these, you know, D rings and tie outs and a full waterproof zipper. So you can open it up flat or you can have it like a sleeping bag configuration or anything in between. So you're like a little burrito in there. Yeah. 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 And it works really well. I I used it on my, um, that and a little, a very light blanket, um, I used on the uh, Northville Placid Trail this year. What kind of blanket? Just a. It's a. It's made by Kelty. It's called their Bestie blanket, and it's just like a really lightweight synthetic fill blanket. Um, And I just use that on top of me, and I use the uh, the uh, trifecta as a like an underquilt type thing. Now the trifecta doesn't crunch like Tyvek every time you move. It's not as noisy. Right. But it Still will a little bit. It'll make a little bit of noise. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You just gotta be able to get to sleep. With right. That yeah. Noise and yeah, no, fine. it it's nothing like that that's gonna like impede your your sleep. And and a good trick with uh like a lot of people just put Tyvek through the washing machine a few times, softens it up and then it's not not nearly as noisy. So I don't know if I'd run that through the washing machine though, because I don't know what it would do to the aluminum coating. Yeah. But you don't want to find out the hard way. No. All of a no, sudden you've no. ruined No. But that's another budget piece of gear. You know, that's that's like 65 bones versus 400 for a sleeping bag. You know, like a 900-fill yeah. down sleeping bag. So so what do you use in the winter then? So in the winter, I'm actually testing a couple new things right now. Um, one's by Outdoor Vitals. One is by a, like um, a cottage industry guy from Maryland. And uh, I'll use an underquilt and a top quilt or a mummy pod system. And one's just basically like a big sleeping bag that wraps around your entire thing. Uh, and then the others are like an under quilt is like a down filled bag that hangs underneath. And then you have like a, a top quilt, which is just like a blanket that goes over top. You so know. you're still rocking the... Still in the hammock. Still in the hammock. Yeah. With some kind of fly system yep. over top. Yep. With a, with a tarp. But the tarp is big enough to where you can pitch it and it pretty much covers everything and then you fold the corners in and it's like doors and you're totally enclosed from the wind it's pretty awesome i'm i'm sitting here rethinking decisions (laughs) i made yeah when i did the 90 mile canoe race yeah and it boiled down to this my buddy is like oh my back hurts i you know i want to sleep at a tent i don't want to sleep in a hammock and i'm like i'm pretty sure we're gonna be more comfortable if we sleep in the hammocks yeah and he's like no you know we'll sleep on the ground we'll use the air mattresses this that and the other thing we woke up sore as heck. Yeah. The day the day after. Yeah. I was like, you know, I'm pretty sure. Oh, and it rained that night, and despite oh, yeah. having waterproofed the tent, you know, sprayed it down and oh, everything, yeah. water's water's getting in. We woke yeah. up, the bags were wet. I I was still dry somehow. 
but I was just thinking to myself, I should have slept in the hammock. I should have slept in the hammock. Yeah. I mean, you know, you got to know how to hammock because if you go out there not like understanding much, it can be uncomfortable. But, you know, for me, I I wouldn't have it any other way at this point. Yeah. You don't want to be in a U shape in your hammock. No, 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 no. There's a right way to lay in them. There's a right way to pitch them. And you got to kind of know that stuff to make them comfortable. Yeah, I may need to take a hammock class from you, though, before I, I could definitely step up my hammock tree. Yeah, yeah. So you're going hammock, you've got some fancy Tyvek. Yeah, you've got... Yep. Got a tarp. Got a tarp. What else? Where do we go from there? Um, <clears throat> What else do I have? Do you have a uh, pillow? What are you doing for a pillow? Just taking a jacket, crumpling it up? Yeah, essentially. I, I don't really carry many extra clothes. That's part of being ultralight, is you just kind of have to embrace the stink. Hiking sometimes naked, got it. <laughs> no, well i mean extra clothes um you know i don't bring like three pair of pants for a week-long trip right you know? right i'll bring one change of underwear and two changes of socks and that's that's pretty much it uh and then I've, you know i've got like a little down jacket for when it's cool in the morning and stuff like that and sometimes i'll just um sometimes i'll wear it to bed sometimes i'll use it as a pillow um but no pillow in a hammock you don't really need one i think the down jacket is one of my favorite pieces of gear to take or keep it's, in bag. Yeah, I think it's one of the most versatile. I like. I won't. I won't go without some sort of a. Even in the summer, I take one. Yeah, just especially in the Adirondacks. It gets you know? cold. Yeah, especially yeah. in the Adirondacks. It, it, it could be eighty in the day and then like forty overnight. You know, oh, so yeah, exactly. If you <laughs> yeah. ever read like in the Mercy of the Mountains, you know it can get even oh, yeah. worse. Like, oh it yeah, can change. Oh, it can definitely get worse, but fast. Yeah, and. Um, what I'd like to see, because I'd love to wear one for like fall hunting, especially with birds, is someone come up with like a ripstop fabric on a down yeah. jacket. And I mean, there there are, you know, I've got like really? a, I got a Columbia with like a, it's like a micro ripstop. It's not like a big, big ripstop, but yeah. Yeah. I need something to keep the briars at bay. Yeah. I took one hunting and I knew, I knew I shouldn't have, but it was so cold out and I had already had so much stuff on and we were going to be walking a lot, but it ripped, it ripped it to shreds and yeah. you know. Now it's got tape all over it. Yeah. So. Now still, it looks awesome. Still it's still working. <laughs> yeah, it's got character now. Yeah. So you've got I got like a little first aid kit in there. Um what else do I use? Oh, I can't even think. Um I've got I've got a bunch of videos on on Gearless. Maybe just go watch them. <laughs> go, go, go see my videos. Go to Rev Hiker on yeah. YouTube. Yeah. Um no, so you know, I um I'll always carry a knife with me, obviously. Um, I have a headlamp. You can't can't hike without a headlamp. And I usually carry like a little backup light, like yeah. uh like a single triple A little flashlight, you know? A little EDC piece. Yeah, little little EDC light. Um usually I have like a small multi tool, like uh one of the really small Leathermans, something mm-hmm. like that. Uh, like a PS four, like a squirt or a micro, something like yep. that. Uh just for repairs and stuff like that. You know, I've got a couple little things to repair gear. Um, got some extra cordage for hanging bear bags, stuff like that. Got my packs and then uh, aside, oh, I got like a rain poncho and then you got your cook set, you know, my little alcohol stove made out of a soda can and really, so you're rocking the alcohol stove. Yeah. Yep. I like those. And then like a little titanium pot and some cooking stuff and some food. And that's, wow, that is pretty light. Yeah. So when it comes to the uh, headlamp, how many lumens are we talking? Um, you know, it depends. I've got a couple different ones. Uh, one that I've been using for probably like the last like 13 years or so is uh, a Princeton Tech. And they're made in the U.S. They got like a 10-year warranty. and uh, But it's only like 70 lumens. But I haven't really found a need for too much more than that. Um, if I want something with more juice, I'll take like... Um, uh, the Olight HS2 little headlamp that thing's up to like 400 lumens, and then I've got like a Foxelli headlamp that's like 300 and change. So those are a little heavier, but you know, a little more, a little more power if you need it. Not bad. Yeah. Not bad way to go. Yeah. So the knives, I touched on it a little bit in the intro. You are kind of into them. You could say that. Yeah. How many, how many knives, if we were to go toss your home, would we find in there? Um. On the off chance that my wife is going to listen to this, I don't know if I really want to admit that. You could just show me. <laughs> just, just show me with your fingers. <laughs> um, 
I've got a lot, but you know what? I've, I've <laughs> so you know, you know, a man has a lot of knives, guns, or gear when he he's asked, "How many do you have?" And yeah. he will not tell you in case his wife hears. I don't. <laughs> I don't actually know is the problem. I, yeah, like I'm not. Yeah, I'm not I don't sh- know either. No, I really, I really don't because I've got some kicking around in different bags and this and that and cars and garage and you know, are we talking house? Or are we talking my cars and garage as well? Or we say full ownership? <laughs> full ownership. Full ownership. Let's, let's go this way, right? North or south of a hundred? Oh, I'm south of a hundred. Okay, okay. I'm, I'm not like I'm not. At one point, I think I was up to like fifty something, and um, maybe well, maybe it was closer to sixty. But I sold a ton off. Okay. Okay. Like I sold a lot of my lower end, you know, cheaper knives kept and good stuff. Yeah, I, I kept I kept some of the good stuff, and then I sold a bunch um, of like mid to high end knives to just consolidate. I, mm-hmm. I started looking at it. I was like, you know, this is kind of like I felt really wasteful. And like, this is like, this is extravagant and like way too much. So I actually, I probably gave 10 knives away. I mean, I gave away like four Benchmades. I gave away, I gave away a lot of money in knives. Um, And, you know, so I did some stuff like that. And now I'm down to the stuff that I really like. But I'd say all together with beater knives and folding knives and hunting knives and a Bush. man has a lot of knives when yeah. he refers to a knife as a beater knife. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm probably around 25 or 30. That's not bad. It's not that's horrible. Not, no, it's not bad at all. Yeah. No. Yeah. North of 50, you're getting a little up there. In a, you know, you got to become a collector. You hit north of 50. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you're a guy who just enjoys knives, I think, as I, much as I really do. Man, my my problem point. is like... You know, my, my hobbies and my interests and stuff never match up with my earnings. So, yeah. So, like. Yeah. When you're, when, that's the funny thing. If you get really into the outdoors and, like, yeah, any of that, you're quickly you, going to realize. It's, you can quickly spend a lot of money just to live like a homeless person. Yeah. You know? It's, a ton. A ton. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's pretty crazy sometimes. Like, so here's, here's how, you know, I'm of that, cut from that same cloth where, Firearms and knives. Yeah. I'm a fan. Yeah. I was at getting my wife tire fixed the other day. <laughs> and the guy, he does some bird hunting with my dad. And he goes, mm-hmm. hey, a guy came in here the other day. Because we were talking about like how great the Remington 870 was and the Mossberg 500. You know, Yeah. The two. Really great yeah. pump shotguns. And I got goes, one. <laughs> yeah, of course. Well, I got a 500, not, not the 870. You need yeah. one. You yeah. should have one or the other. Yeah. You should. If you yeah. are a red-blooded American man, you kind of have, have to. one yeah. of those guns. Yeah. And so I, had, I have an 870. Let's just say now I have both. Right. <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> yeah, but you know what? Like my, my Mossberg 500, I picked it up at a yard sale. This was before all the Safe Act garbage. This was when I was like probably 15 or 16. And... So I picked this thing up at a yard sale, and it came with the like the 28 inch bird barrel uh-huh. and the slug barrel, the rifled slug barrel. Oh, so I got both, and I paid, I want to say it was like 140 bucks at a yard sale. I may at, or may not have paid the exact same price. Yeah, I mean, it's like, <laughs> you know, and it's like, but like you, you're getting two guns for oh, one, you know, and then it's like you can't you can't beat that with a stick. No, you can't. And anytime, and, and I did beat it with a stick. I beat the snot out of that gun. Oh. I mean. I can't tell you how many rounds I've put through that and, you know, just being a stupid kid and just beating the tar out of it and never maintaining it. And it still runs like a dream. <laughs> exactly. You know, it's like some people may be like, oh, you know, I got a gun to sell. It's like, I have two barrels for it. And it's like, oh, I wasn't interested before <laughs> but in that now, caliber gun. But yeah. now yeah. it's two guns. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, addicts. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I I'll admit I don't have that many guns. So like, because I found a couple that I really liked, and I was more into knives. See? You know, plus they're like knives are really easy to hide, and like so people don't know how many you have. <laughs> but like my wife will absolutely notice if I come home with another gun. I can't I can't pass that off. You know, it's funny because I heard like those dream words every. I'll say collector instead of addict is waiting to hear. And it's like, yeah, he's like, yeah, when I go to sell my collection, you'll be the first one I call. It's like, oh, 
Yes. Yes. <laughs> what could be in there? Yeah. What could be in yeah. there? You know, you're rubbing your hands together like Scrooge yeah. McDuck. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm fortunate where I have a couple friends that have uh, extensive collections. So I kind of get my fix. So you're the knife well, guy. They're the gun guy. Yeah, it's exactly. Trade, trade they, yeah. They kind of, they like my knives and they may play with those and then they let me shoot their stuff. So it's, it's all good. That's perfect. <laughs> I, see, I have this. I'm not going to say dream, but it's kind of a goal of mine to have like one of each of like the iconic firearms. Mm. So like an AK or variant thereof. Right. The 870 mm-hmm. AR. Got to have a Remington 700. Um, and then you got to have a, a Winchester lever action too yeah then. a winchester or henry lever action yeah for oh sure. henry henry for sure henry for sure yeah um if you're getting a henry get the get the 4440 with the octagon barrel have you ever shot those no but now oh I'm my god dude in one. so the last like four inches of the barrel swivels and you swivel it to the side and that opens up the tube like you you retract the spring it's got this tab goes all the way to the top and locks then you swivel the barrel and you drop down all the ammo and holds like 18 rounds or something. Then you swivel it back, unhinge the spring, and that that pressure, you know, that that puts like the spring tension on the, the rounds. Yeah. And it's just like top ejecting. And I got to check oh, that it out. Oh, it's, it's so cool. That sounds A awesome. friend of mine had one, and it was like, whenever we went over there, I was like, can, can I... Can I shoot the the 4440? <laughs> Let's break that Henry out. <laughs> get after yeah, it. It was awesome. So how did you get so interested in knives? Um, I got my first knife when I was five. Uh, my dad gave me a Swiss army knife and it just kind of stuck, you know, it was like, this thing's awesome. I could do anything with this. You know, like when you're five years old and you get a knife, you're like, I can rule the world. Why do you, you know? why do you think that is? Why do you think young boy, like, cause I had the same exact thing. My oh, yeah. dad had the Swiss army knife and it was one of the big ones. Yeah. And I was just like, oh my God, if I can just get my hands on this it, knife. Like, what the possibilities are endless. Endless. Yeah. Endless. And, and I was always outside anyway. You know what I mean? So it just, it, it kind of worked. And then we had like, there's this old, um, this guy had a bunch of secondhand tools and just, I don't know, he just like collected junk, but he had like a store and we'd go in there and check it out. And he had this big display case of all these knives. And looking back, most of them were just like Chinese junk. Yeah. But I looked at him and I was like, oh man, this is the coolest thing ever, you know? And, and like, so my dad would take me there and we didn't have a whole lot of cash. You know, we, I grew up kind of, kind of, you know, poor, not poor, but we, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, you know, we'd spend, you know, five or 10 bucks on the knife and it was like, you know, some secondhand knife. And I just, I just thought it was the coolest thing in when, the world. When, you you're, know? when you're that age though, five or 10 bucks might as well be a million dollars. Oh yeah. Cause yeah. I can remember trying to make my first $6 to buy yeah. a six inch Bowie knife <laughs> yes. inch hardware, yeah. which was my first official knife. And we rode our bikes down there, and I remember seeing it and just being like, oh, someday I'm going to get $6. And when yeah. I get $6, I'm coming back here, and I'm getting you, this You couldn't knife. even do that today. You couldn't. A kid couldn't go into a store and buy a knife anymore. No, you couldn't even ride your bike to the store these yeah, days. Yeah, it's a joke. You know, It's crazy. One, you'd have to have your parents let you do it, which how many parents are doing that? Yeah. Two, you'd have to have the interest to ride your bike, which yeah. unfortunately... I won't even, I won't hate on kids that much these days. I'm sure there's kids out there who, well, there's still would, kids would that love, love the outdoors. Yeah. But then three, such a nanny state. Good luck getting that knife. Yeah, you gotta be, you gotta be 18. You gotta like be ID'd literally to buy a knife now. I didn't even know that. Yeah. It's insane. That is insane. Yeah. If you look even remotely close to 18, they'll be like, you know, they'll, they'll ask for ID. Jeez. I was going to yeah. say, when I went to Gander Mountain and they were closing, <laughs> I, I walked out there with a few more knives that I had no intention of ever owning. Yeah, I was exactly. like, oh, a fishing and bird pairing knife. This is something I need. How bad can it be? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Haven't opened it yet. But yeah. I really hope my wife doesn't listen to this episode now. <laughs> yeah, we're knives, both in trouble. Knives, headlamps, yeah. just cookware. I actually showed her the cookware because we were going on a camping trip and I was like, oh, honey, look what I bought. Don't look at the receipt. Don't look at the receipt. Don't look at the receipt. Threw it uh, out. Yeah, I was going to say a receipt, dude. The, what receipt? <laughs> exactly. Those you're get, right. Those get burned on the way out of the store. <laughs> yeah. Your EDC lighter just... <laughs> yep. Gone. Gone. <laughs> I, and I, I can remember very vividly, though. Like, it was... Yes, this is a memory that will always be burned in my brain. I was there with my buddy, Tommy Heacock. 
And we rode our bikes to Hinge Hardware, and I saw that knife, and it was up in the case. And $6 for a six-inch Bowie knife. <laughs> yeah, it was there, front and center. Must have been awesome quality. Wood I still have it. I'll show it to you. I'll show it to you. I'm interested now. I still have that. Oh, my brother Sam was there, too, because Tommy and I both ended up, somehow, we got the $6. I can't tell you what we did, but I'm sure it was legal, whatever we did, to get that $6 each. I'm sure. And we got there, and I think my brother had like three or five dollars, and he brought a little folding knife, and we still yeah. have that knife too. But it's those those things that like, yeah, you you know they're like not in good, they're yeah. not great knives. No, but when you're but a you love kid, them, oh, yeah, love them. School thing in the world. Yeah, favorite knives. Yeah, and you look and you're like, I am surprised an adult let me buy this. What did he think <laughs> I was going to use this for? Yeah, what, what well, that was just do? different times, you yeah. know. Uh, hilarious but yeah i mean my my thing with knives started as a kid and you know just kind of continued on and uh i don't know they're they're really useful you know i've had people ask me like well why do you carry a knife like why don't you you how many things i cut every day or open packages or you know anything it's like when my kids or my wife need something opened or they need something done they come straight to me because they know I'm always going to be able to do it. It's never going to be an issue. And, uh, you know, friends do the same thing. They break your chops a little bit for being two into knives, but they always know that you, you have one and they, and they, they need it all the time. I'd rather be the guy who always have one than the guy who doesn't. Yeah, exactly. So when did you get really into knives and sharpening and how to really dress up the blade? Okay. Um, so I always just bought knives like on looks and stuff like that and just, oh, this looks cool. Similar to dating. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and then so, but at one point uh, I got this really awesome present. It was a, a Leatherman Charge uh, TI and they don't, they don't make them now. Now they make the TTI, but it had a, it had a high quality blade on there. And when I, when I got it, it was a <clears throat> Christmas gift for my mom and I looked at it and the blade said 154 cm. I'm like, well, it's not 154 centimeters. What the heck does this mean? So I start, I looked into it and I'm like, oh, this is, this is a blade steel. And then I started like really reading about blade steels. And I realized this is absolutely the best blade steel that I have in my collection. And I'm like, I wonder what else is out there. And so that's like what kicked off the process of me learning about steels and quality. And then I started, then I started to get high quality knives and then I started wanting my knives sharp all the time. So instead of like a knife getting dull and just using another one, <laughs> I was like, this is good. I want this sharp all the time, you know? So then I really started getting into that. And I, you know, learned how to sharpen by hand. And then it just kind of went from there, you know? And, you know, now I've, I've got the Wicked Edge system and I do it as a business, you know? What is the Wicked Edge system? Uh, it gives you a Wicked Edge um, so that's your personal system? No, no, <clears throat> no. It's it's a commercially available. Uh, it's not cheap, like by really any stretch, um, but it does an excellent job. It's it's a whole system of stones and strops and ceramics, and it holds the knife in place for you, and you can set any angle between like 15 and 30 degrees per side, and it allows you to just achieve like perfect, repeatable results on your knife every time. So say I bring you a knife and it's as dull or duller than a butter knife. Mm-hmm. How long is it going to take you to bring that edge back? <clears throat> a lot of it depends on the blade steel. Cause a lot of like the high end, like stainless super steels take a lot more effort to, you know, reprofile and, and grind down essentially. But like a, a cheap knife, uh, you know, are you talking like a mirror polish on the yeah, edge? Let's go mirror polish. Oh, okay. So, so full out, full um, out, Full out like hair whittling sharp, oh, uh, yeah. mirror polish, on a on a cheap knife, uh, it can be fifteen minutes, you know. Oh, that's not bad. No, no, no. And on super steels, if it's really chipped up or the tip's broken off, and I got to fix stuff, you know, it, it can take forty minutes, you know. Uh, or if I'm doing modifications to the knife, like sharpening both sides of like a dagger or a punch dagger or something like that, which I get in pretty frequently. Sometimes I'm an hour with that. Wow. You know, it depends on, on what you do, but I don't, you know, people who sharpen like on machines, 
tend to heat up the edge a lot and you can actually lose some of the heat treat and the temper mm-hmm. and really just ruin the knife. It's kind of like microwaving food. Yeah. You know, yeah. it can only be done so many times before <laughs> you can't eat that. Yeah. I mean, but you know, guys who sharpen like on a, on a, um, you know, like on a grinder or a buffer, they one slip up and you overheat that steel and you can ruin it and then it's shot. You know what I mean? So I, that's why I do it by hand. This is all hand, hand done. I think there's definitely a, what's the word I'm looking for? Like an eclectic, just really authentic coolness to doing it by hand too. To have your blade sharpened by hand by a craftsman, someone who's done it for hours and hours and hours on it versus just having it done at the factory or quickly on a belt or grinder or whatever. Right. Yeah. No, there, there's definitely something different about it. And, um, you know, some people say, well, you're not doing it by hand on a wicked edge cause it's in a clamp mm-hmm. and the stones are guided and that's true, but I'm still doing it with my hands right. and I, still... I can still get a mirror polish if I'm doing it freehand just on a, on a regular stone and a strop. You know what I mean? takes me longer. Um, but I you know, that's how I started out. I started out doing everything freehand and then I moved to this. So it's more efficient and repeatable. So how how long or how hard is it to get a mirror finish? Is that a lot more time than just from oh this is really razor sharp to ooh now we can see ourselves? Uh, you know it doesn't. Again, it it a lot of it depends on the steel, but it's not a lot of extra work. Um, depending on what you think, ooh this is sharp is. You know what I mean? Um. I, I offer like two levels of sharpening. One ah. goes one goes up to like just a thousand grit. It's like I just call it the basic edge, and that will still like shave with just the weight of the blade, no pressure, you know, and, and it'll it'll just blow the hair right off your arm. Or you can do like a mirror finish, which will whittle hair. You know, you track ladies everywhere. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's you know it it's a different different level of of sharpness. You know what I mean. Uh, and, and that can take, to get a really perfect mirror, that can take a lot of time, you know. Um, there's different levels on everything, you know, of mirror. There's a mirror finish, mirror finish, and then there's like a perfect mirror polish, you right. know, where you can't see any marks in that edge. The whole thing is just perfect. And, and what are we looking at cost-wise on something like these two different levels? Um, I don't chart, there's not like a big price differential, really. Because once I take it up to a thousand grit, it's not a huge process to mm-hmm. get it to like a, a decent mirror after that. Um, so like when people send me their stuff uh, for a mirror finish, I only charge 20 bucks for most folders. Uh, and that's return shipping included. Dang, 20 bucks to get my knife sharpened to mirror finish? Yeah. I was thinking about learning it, but now no way. It's <laughs> <laughs> not happening for the 20 bucks a knife. It's yeah. worth it all day long. Yeah. And, and you know, like I, I offer like multiple discounts so i've had guys send me eight knives at a time you know and so the first one's 20 and the rest are 15 we have I'm, to I'm... make a stop at the house <laughs> get that six inch bowie knife out <laughs> well you know if it's a really big blade I, I charge more and stuff like that but that's just for a basic folding knife man and it's it's interesting because i've definitely done the where i bought a knife i bought this one knife and it was uh actually i had jeff Rolion, who owns the silverware, and it was his knife, his folding knife, and that thing came, and it was just impeccably sharp. I mean, yeah. one of the sharpest blades I had ever received, and then I used it a whole bunch, yeah. <laughs> and now it's kind of dull. Things have changed. Yes, yeah. things have changed. <laughs> you know, if you use it, if it's good, you're gonna dull it. It doesn't yeah, matter absolutely. You know, how great it comes. But then yeah. I'm like, I need to figure something out on how right. to get this sharp again because I really like the knife. Yeah. So now problem solved. Yeah. Well, and you know, that, that's where blade steel comes in too. Um, because you know, there's some knives where you use them a few times and you, there's like a noticeable difference, you know, like the, the Chinese knife, a lot of times they come out of the box and they're not even really sharp to begin with. And then you use them a few times and it's like, good night, you know, or like you talk to people and you're like, you know, how, how well did you do on that deer? It's like, oh, it was great, but I had to sharpen my knife halfway through or, you know, I had to sharpen it twice while mm-hmm. I was skinning it. And it's like, you know, it's not a great knife. No, no, I've, I've got knives that can go through two animals doing full field, field dress skin and butcher before you need to sharpen them. 
Really? You know what I mean? And that, that's like the difference in steals. Let's go into that a little bit. Are you a believer in the throwaway interchangeable blade system, or are you a, a fixed blade, or I guess folding blade when it comes to skinning out, cleaning so up an animal? So those throwaway blades, I'm not going to say that they're no good, um, but they're certainly not something that that I like. Um, I, I don't use them. I know people that do, and it's like it's not like a, I'm like a hater, like where I or anything like that. But I kind of, you know, when it comes to knives, I think you should buy something good and maintain it, and you'll have it for your entire life. Um, so I, I think they have their place for people that really don't want to do any sharpening, don't want to do any maintenance and just kind of want to take the easy way out. I th- I think they're they're okay, but for the lazy people out there. <laughs> I no, I'm not saying that. <laughs> I'm not uh, I'm not saying that, but I think I think as a society we, we we just have like this disposable mentality and I'm I'm not like that. I'd rather buy something and and maintain it and have it for a long long time. So, I believe you should buy a good knife learn how to sharpen it or send it to someone that knows how to sharpen it and then you're good to go. So what would you recommend for guys out there looking for a new hunting knife? Do you have any like top three or top hunting knife? Yeah. Specifically? Well, for gutting, skinning, cleaning. Okay. Um, I think any knife will work for gutting essentially. I mean, for gutting an animal, you only, you don't, you don't need some huge blade. You don't need anything crazy you're out there and you want to do the whole Okay. So, okay. So stem to stern, you know, you okay. take the animal. Um, I would, for that, I'd probably prefer a fixed blade just cause you, you can get pretty gummy with stuff, uh, like in a folding knife, you can totally do it with a folding knife. Um, and one, so I'll put a folding knife and then two fixed blades that I like. Uh, so for a folding knife, it's actually, uh, one that I've got on me today and it's a Benchmade Crooked River. And that thing is uh, it's in their hunt series. You, I have never seen an edge like this. Yeah, on a blade before. That's the mirror that I was talking about. People, you look at this thing and you think this this is a piece of jewelry that came from <laughs> Tiffany's or something. This thing shines up so much. Yeah, that that one is. <clears throat> I keep that exceptionally sharp for I'm hunting. Not touching it. I'm not touching. Yeah, that it's. <laughs> yeah. Um, try to shave some hair. Oh yeah. Yep, takes the hair right off the arm. Yeah, it's it's pretty sharp. Um, so that that's a great knife. It's it's kind of big for an EDC. Uh, you're you know you're I think you're like at a four and a quarter inch blade on that for a folding knife. So that's plenty long enough to to do just about anything that you need to do. You know to to break down an animal completely. Um, Fixed blades, there's a lot more options. I'm hoping you're just going to start pulling knives out of every pocket <laughs> I, to be like, and then there's this one. Well, I've got one in the car that I would use, <laughs> and it, it's an SE. Um, it's an SE3, and I really like that. Uh, that's probably one of my favorite knives. Uh, another brand that's made totally in the U.S., uh, and another brand that has a lifetime warranty like Benchmade. Um, so SE's, <clears throat> SE is actually probably one of the best outdoorsman's knives out there. I actually just got it. Uh, SE knife recommended me for an EDC knife. Mm-hmm. Which one? You know what? If uh, you keep talking, I can look up the okay, message. Yeah. I got it. It was from yeah. our past guest, uh, Chris Fry. Was it, a, was it a folding knife? No, it was a fixed blade. Okay. He recommended it as a, like a little... Keep, oh, it's probably the Azula too, because that's one of their most you know, popular... EDC fixed blade knives. I, I EDC my, my SE3, which is, it ju- it's just an excellent knife. Uh, they're all high carbon steel, but they're coated so they won't rust except for on the edge. Um, but they're made in the U.S. and they have bar none the best warranty in the business. If you snap it, if you break it, 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 it doesn't matter. You can intentionally do it. There's no questions asked. They will just replace the knife. Uh, they're just, it, they're a really good company. Uh, and they're, <clears throat> I think they're based out of Alabama. Uh, so it's, it's pretty cool. I, and I would definitely recommend just about anything from them. Now, are you a fan of coatings on knives? Or? No. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that being said, uh, why are you not a fan of the coatings? I, I'm just, I'm just not like, so I love my SE, the coating on it. I'm not in love with it, but it, it's pretty, it's still good. You know what I mean? Like the, 
they wear off. They look ugly. I just, I just prefer looking at the steel. And it's not hard to strip the, the coating off of an SE if I wanted to, which is which was what I'm going to do <laughs> eventually. Um, but yeah, I just I prefer just a regular satin finish on the steel. It wasn't a Zulu too. I looked it up. I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> I had one of those. It was awesome. That's one of the knives I gave away, actually. Ah, I gave that to another pastor friend of mine from uh, North Carolina. He'd been looking for one, and I said, have this one. I've, I have like 40-something knives. Like, just take this. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm going to get another one because I miss it. <laughs> uh, what are you going to do? Yeah, you can't just get rid of them. Gotta yeah. Replace them. <laughs> um, but yeah, and so uh, and like an SE3, I really like. It's about a three and a half inch blade, but it's got like a forward finger choil, so you can really choke up on the blade and and be pretty precision with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then one one knife that I really like, that's a really good budget option, um, if if you want a really good knife that's really cheap, uh, is a, like a Mora, um, either like a Mora Bushcraft or a Companion or a Companion HD. They're made in Sweden. Uh, with their own steel and you can get a stainless or a, or a high carbon um, and they're Scandinavian grind so you have to learn how to sharpen them they're, they're not like a regular knife to sharpen once you get the hang of it they're the easiest knives to keep sharp though and they come out of the box absolutely like light sabers I, I mean and they hold an edge for a long time and for a companion you're looking at like 14 bucks on Amazon really yeah it's unreal and it's that, well, how is it so good for so cheap? It just is. A lot of it has to do with the grind of the blade. It's a little over four inch blade, got a, like a rubberized plasticky type handle. Uh, exceptional grip if your hands are bloody or wet or snow or, you know, whatever. And um, they're just, they're good. They're available in like 15, 20 different colors for the sheath and the and the uh, handle options and stuff like that. And they're just awesome. You can get them in like high-vis orange so you don't lose your knife in the woods. It's a good option. <laughs> you know, um, they're, they're just they're really nice. They're really good. I don't know how they do it so cheap. I really it's, don't. It's and like the, the furniture, they're, like they're, Ikea. They just yeah, figured yeah. it out. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, they, they make the steel, and they, they've been making knives for like a couple hundred years. You know what I mean? Frost's Mora was around, and that now it's just Mora knife. But they're awesome. Check them out. I love them. I, I really <laughs> I do. Now, I keep I keep one in in my vehicles. I keep one on my motorcycle. I keep I keep one in my hunting bag. I just like for the money you spend, you you absolutely cannot beat that knife. It's like six knives for the price of one. Dude, it is. <laughs> it's such a good blade. That's awesome. Now, getting into YouTube, how did you get started? I got I got into YouTube because of my brother. <clears throat> my brother had a gaming channel. And, um, he's like, Drew, you should like, you should make a a channel. It's, it's fun. And, and you, you know, you went to this survival camp and you learned this and you did that. And like, you, you know, people would, people want to hear about that stuff. And it was stuff that I already watched, Mm -hmm. you know, and they're like, you, he's like, you do the hiking, you do this. It's like, just make videos, you know, at least like make videos when you go on doing this fun stuff. And I was like, well, okay. So I did, and I didn't want to invest in anything. So I, Started out making videos on my phone, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> yeah. I, I think I had a, when I started, I had like a, a Galaxy S5 and the, a lot of my videos were made on that phone. <laughs> <laughs> and how'd you do all the editing and stuff early on? I used the free Windows editor, the um, Movie Maker, Yeah, which I don't use anymore because there's no support for it. I use uh, Film 4 Express, which is really good mm-hmm. uh, and it's again free. Yeah. Um, but that's what I use now. But yeah. So what are you using camera wise? Still using your phone? Or? No, no. I upgraded a little bit. Um, I use, for a lot of my stuff, I use a Canon SL1. It's, a, just, it's the smallest, lightest DSLR, DSLR that still yeah. has a mirror. You know, it's, yeah. it's not mirrorless. Um, so I use that. And I also have like a Canon, for a long time, I used a Canon um, camcorder, just an HD yeah. camcorder. And, and that was pretty good. Uh, and then I've got a GoPro as well and a, a Garmin Verb that you, I really don't use. Are you using anything uh, sound-wise for your no, videos? No, I just, just use you? internal mics. Internal mics? Yeah, I mean, I've got a mic, but I just haven't haven't used it. Like, I just, I don't know. That's like too much work. It's I want like, to. Oh, I, I set it up. Yeah. I'm just making YouTube videos. I, I want to enjoy what I'm doing, you know? Right. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I'd like to get like a shotgun mic for the top of the, the DSLR, but 
I just, I never seem to get around to it. <laughs> there's knives to buy. Yeah, there's, there's, there's more knives in the world that I need. <laughs> so how is YouTube treating you now? Because I know uh, some content creators are getting a lot of things flagged or pulled. Yeah, so it's more than just some. Um, almost everyone in the outdoors community, uh, which is hunting or like, knife reviews, all the gun channels that have anything to do with guns. Um, I mean, dude, I got a, I got a video flagged and they demonetized it the other day. That was about water filters. I watched that video. It was a good one. Dude, water filters though. I know. (laughs) I mean, are you serious? But what I don't get is it says, Oh, this isn't good for our people, but it's like, so uh, they let you know that, that they don't think that the content is suitable for, for their advertisers. And this goes back to like, you know, several, several months back, almost a year back now where <clears throat> there was some videos with some pretty controversial stuff and some advertisers saw it and they're like, we don't want our ads playing in front of this because it looks like we support it or something. Mm-hmm. So YouTube just went nuts. And, um, I mean, they actually ruined a lot of people, people that were making their living off of YouTube. Like, I mean, they, some of them were losing like 80% of their ad revenue Whoa! and for, for guys that make a full living off of it. I mean, imagine going to work, working the same 40, 50 hours a week and just getting paid 20% of what you did the last week. And they say, oh, too bad. <laughs> Me like, you still got to work though. You know, it's, it, so it was really hard. And there's been like a big, a big kind of power play going on. And now they're, they're going after, I mean, they've gone after people that aren't in the outdoors as well. You know, I heard video gamers are some video gamers. Uh, basically, anyone that produces anything that could be considered controversial. Um, you know, people that were making videos about what happened in Las Vegas, bang, pulling ads, pulling ads. I mean, and really anything, unless you're like a really big, like corporation, and you're running and you're making videos, that they, they let them go. Don't know why. So, what would a example of like a big so a Benchmade makes a video there? No, so like I'm talking like Jimmy Kimmel can talk controversial stuff, but uh, other other people can't. You know, like lo- very large accounts like that that are a corporation. It's a corporation's account. You know, Benchmade, yeah, they're still going to flag their stuff because it's got knives in them. You know, any any what they're doing now is, I mean, it's it's progressing every week and they're changing it, but. It stinks. A lot of people have had to go to Patreon, which is like a site where you can donate to the channel. I've heard to of keep, that. To keep them running. Um, some people are moving to different platforms. I know like a lot of the gun channels have moved to a new website called full30.com and it's exclusive gun content. And the people that run their ads there are like gun companies and stuff to do with it. And, you know, they're, people are having to really get creative on how to get their income back. Really? So no knives on full 30 then, guns only? Uh, no, I mean, like, so the late Boy Scout, I don't know if you know him, he's he's a decent-sized channel. He does a lot of gun stuff, but he also does camping and knives and stuff like mm-hmm. that. But he does a lot of gun content, so he's moved all that stuff over there. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. It's I, I don't know what I'm going to do about it because they've, they've cut my stuff down to, like, you know, nothing. And, it, and I I really, what I make on YouTube is a bit of a joke, and mm-hmm. it's it's not worth... I don't do it for the money. I'll put it that way because, because yeah. I don't, it, it, it's not cost effective. I, I lose money on YouTube. Oh, you know, know what I'm saying? I know how that goes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. So I mean, you know, but I, I continue to do it cause I like it, but you know, the money I was making was going back into the channel. So right. it's just hard. You know, it's like, how do I keep up the same quality? You're basically paying for your habits or trying to. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it wasn't even doing that. Yeah, yeah I know exactly. <laughs> so yeah, I've had is. to like start an Amazon store and do all kinds of stuff to try to recoup that level of income. That's actually something I was working on today was becoming an Amazon affiliate. Because mm-hmm. I don't think Amazon cares what you're affiliated no, with. No, they sell everything. <laughs> exactly. Except guns, you know. Yeah, I'm sure they would if they yeah, could. If they, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, no, but so uh, they actually contact. I had an affiliate store for a while. Um, and then they, they contacted me recently and I opened up an influencer store because I'm a certain size on YouTube. I've got like my own store where you could go and it's like a bunch of stuff that I recommend and you know, things like that. So that's probably a really smart idea for Amazon. Yeah. I mean, it seems like a good idea for you too, but I noticed people on a lot of YouTube videos now have the little eBay affiliate things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
So I think these other companies are going, oh, I see a place we can get in now. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it just opens their stuff up to a, a bigger audience, you know, and if, if I'm recommending something, you know, Amazon feels like, well, maybe people will go and buy it because they like, they like what he says or they trust his recommendation. And, and I, you know, I do want to make it clear that I'm not a shill for any company. You know, right. I, I don't get paid by any company. And if a company chooses to send me something for free to review, I let them know up front that it's going to be, I'm going to be honest about it, you right. know, and I've had companies choose to not send me stuff anymore because I didn't make an ad for them essentially, you know, and that's okay. You know, yeah, I don't, I don't want that stuff from a company like that anyway. You know, I'll, I'll be an, I'll be honest on my reviews. That's good to know. So where do people go if say they want to get a knife sharpened by you or they want to maybe follow you on Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube? <clears throat> yeah. So, uh, I, I do my knife sharpening business exclusively pretty much through Instagram. And if people want to get a knife sharpened, they can just go to Instagram and search RevHiker, R-E-V-H-I-K-E-R, and <clears throat> just, you know, send me a, a direct message there. And you can see a bunch of the knives that I have sharpened. And uh, just send me a message. I'll give you rates and the address and shipping info and all, all that stuff. And we can discuss it there. And then uh, YouTube is just youtube.com and then you just search rev hiker and i'll pop up so it's rev hiker across all the platforms and they will find you yeah yep and i i, I mean i do facebook but i don't do facebook like i, I have a page is. but i don't ever do anything on it really this is embarrassing so i by far have like more followers on the facebook page than any of my other platforms but i'm just super lazy about facebook because <laughs> the truth is i don't really like, i don't I go enjoy on it, facebook I, don't know so. if I really enjoy it like i do yeah. instagram or youtube not I, I love Inst actually Instagram's my favorite platform. Me too. <laughs> you know, Me I, too. I, I love Instagram, YouTube. I'm really mad at YouTube right now, so they're getting no <laughs> yeah, love. They're, they're getting no love. Um and I, I might be moving to a different site in the near future, I'm not sure. But um yeah, I, I mean Instagram's my favorite, you know. And I have I'm I'm the opposite of you. I by far have the least followers on on YouTube or uh Facebook. Facebook yeah. I think I got like 260 people following me uh instagram i've got like i don't know uh 2200 or so uh -huh. and youtube i've got almost 22,000. you yeah, know what i mean that's so a big discrepancy. yeah yeah it's huge discrepancy which, which is funny because we're both like ah oh, that instagram though there's no i love it i love there's it something there i yeah. don't even mess around i have a twitter account i don't really mess around over there when i post a video it automatically like posts to twitter oh, i should do that and that is the only thing that I post on Twitter yeah, I and I don't do even it. do it. It's just an I, auto post I thing. I should do it so it auto posts to Facebook and Twitter and wherever else. This guy yeah. actually, thank you to Zach. If you're listening, he was like, Hey, I'm going to help you out with this website. Cause <laughs> you look like you need some, That's awesome. I enjoy your stuff. So I'm going to give you a hand and pay it back. That's really like, cool. Oh, dude. Thank you so That's much. That's really cool. Yeah. It was really cool. And he was like, Here's how we write things for so they are search engine optimized, you know, right, SEOs, right, right. and here's how we do this. And I was just like, thank you. Yes. yes. Basically, I was way in over my head. Oh, yeah. And people are like, oh, so, so why did you do this? Why did you create it? And I'm like, I wanted you to. Know. <laughs> yeah, it's like <laughs> I wanted to. I, this is what I do. I'm into yeah. this stuff. There's no other reason than my own entertainment value. Right, right. I, I hope everyone else is entertained because I sure am. <laughs> yeah. I got sent. Uh, we just started taking on content creators and I, I i gotta feel like i'm on the right track by who's applied for to be a content creator because the stuff they're coming up with and writing and the directions they want to go are just blowing me away awesome blow me away yeah so i feel like that's that's got to be something if you're putting something out into the world and these are the people who are getting called in by it then i gotta really be doing something right yeah yeah that's awesome yeah so thank you to you guys if you are listening, by the way, as well. You guys are crushing it, and I'm super impressed so far. So we'll keep up the good work. Um, Northville Plastic Trail, you mm -hmm. did it with viewers? Yeah. That's pretty cool. How yeah. did how'd all that come about? Um, I wanted to do the trail. Uh, I guess we should tell some people about the Northville okay, yes. Plastic Trail. If you're not from this area like we are, uh, it's, pre it's a pretty big deal, pretty big trail. Yeah, Hopefully. yeah. I mean, it, it's not actually traveled that much. A lot of people know about it, and they'll hike pieces of it. But for through hiking, it's not. I mean, there's only like 2,200 people that have done it on the books. 
you know what I mean, that have requested the patch or whatever. But it's like 139 miles. Starts up in Lake Placid and goes all the way to the town of Northville. and uh, Or vice versa, it doesn't matter. Right, right. Um, so I, I've been wanting to do it, and my wife didn't want me to solo hike it. And uh, I didn't. I don't like have any friends that are that hardcore into hiking. See, that... now we meet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I actually worked with a guy who did it last year. Oh man, yeah. yeah. Um, so, so I just, uh, I was like, well, I'm gonna open it up to my subscribers. And my wife's like, well, are any of them gonna kill you in the middle of the night? That's, that would be my worst. <laughs> so, so I said, well, I'll just make that one of the criteria. So when I made the video, I said, hey guys, you know, like. Uh, I, I want to open this up to my subscribers and, um, you know, I, I only have a few requirements. One of them is that you're, you're not a serial killer. And then like the other is if I get no response and only one woman wants to come, I said, I'm, I'm not going to go on a hike with just a, one woman and myself, you know, like I just, I won't do that. I yeah. said, so, but that's about it. Um, so I had people, I had Two a guy. Two women, maybe. But no, <laughs> never. Just, just all women applying. You're yeah. like, uh, what? Sorry, canceled. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, w- I wouldn't be doing that. Um, but so I had a guy from Florida drive all the way up to go hiking with us. We had a wow. guy guy come in from Wisconsin, guy from uh, Pennsylvania, and a guy from Virginia. And, and we had a blast. We didn't all make it, but we had a blast. <laughs> wow, so no local people. <laughs> no, no. There was one guy um, who was in the Albany area who was going to, and another guy out by Syracuse that was, or Rochester that was going to, but they ended up, it, it didn't work out for him. That's pretty impressive. Uh, yeah. So how many of you did make it? Uh, two guys made it. Did you make it? No. Wow, what happened? Uh, I destroyed my knee oh. pretty pretty badly. I almost, actually almost like shattered my leg. Uh, I slipped on a bridge and my foot got wedged in between two logs and I fell off to the side. And um, I'm actually, I, I haven't really been able to hike too much since then because my knee's like in a lot of pain actually yeah i haven't really talked about it on the channel but i I don't know what my future in like long hikes is gonna be i probably don't have one (laughs) honestly uh i've I've got a it's severe chondromalacia patella oh geez that sounds terrible i don't know what it is but it's i'm not gonna get into it but it stinks and the only thing that they can treat it with i'm allergic to (laughs) So, so like, I just kind of have to, I might have to just take it easy for like a year yeah. until it kind of heals itself up. Um, and that's, so that's kind of what I'm doing. That's my plan. But yeah, um, I was like 30 miles from the end uh-huh. when that happened. And if, if the one guy wasn't there, um, Dan, so Dan, thanks. Uh, if he wasn't there to like, to grab onto me, like right behind me, I would have fallen off the side and my foot was going to be wedged and it, it would have snapped my leg. Pro- oh, probably my broken my knee or at least dislocated it and probably broken a couple bones. It, it was really bad. Um, and he saved me from falling off the side of this little log bridge. And um, so <clears throat> I had to hike uh, another nine, nine miles to get to the road um, before I could get picked up. Um, <clears throat> and uh, another guy bailed with me because he had, he had gotten some injuries to his feet um, namely, basically the whole sole of his, both feet was like peeling off because oh, he got his feet wet like the first couple of days and just, I mean, we, we were doing sometimes like 32 miles in a day. Jeez. So we were like hoofing it, trying yeah. to, trying to get it done in five days, five and a half days. And it just, the pace was, you know, between his wet feet, it just destroyed just him. Yeah. It just destroyed him. I said, man, you're going to have permanent damage on your feet if you don't bail. So he bailed with me. And another guy, um, like second day got a, well, first day he injured it. And then he tried to go through the second day and he ended up bailing on the second day. Cause it was just, he really smoked it or third day, excuse me. Wow. So his, his knee was pretty hurt. So a couple injuries, a couple falls, you know, and then t- two guys made it. They, they, they fell a few times, but it wasn't, you know, it was just slips and trips. It wasn't like a, a bad injury. So Yeah. Do you have any desire to... Oh, I'll finish it. I'll finish it. <laughs> no doubt. 30 miles left. I'm going to go do those 30 miles at some point. So I can, you know, I'm, I'm mad that I couldn't do it all in one shot. But, you know, you kind of got to know when to quit. Right. Otherwise, you end up dead. 
That's, and that's you know, a terrible way to be. Yeah, it, well, it's true. Uh, I was actually going to make a video about it this week. A guy went up about a week after we did, or no, a month after we did, and they, they found him dead, you know, pre-hypothermic in the summer. Wow, you I know? didn't hear about that. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. Pe- people come from all over the world to die in the Adirondacks every year. Because they, they underestimate them. They, they don't think true. that they're anything because of the height, but it's it's rugged up there. Yeah. Yeah. I'd highly recommend anyone who doesn't take it seriously to check out the book In the Mercy of the Mountains. You can find out how quick yeah. it is. You can go from alive to dead. Yeah. In, it's it's crazy. And some of that wilderness is very remote. Like you said, you had to go nine miles just to get out. Yeah. To, that was the nearest road. And actually, the Northville Plastic Trail covers the most remote sections. The Moose River plains right i think that's the most part part of it yeah it goes near there but i mean there's sometimes where you're 20 something miles from a from a road or more yeah <laughs> that's a far far way to go and that's over lakes and everything else that says the crow flies that's yeah. not how you'd walk you're not making it there in 20 minutes <laughs> yeah, no <laughs> not at all oh man i know i didn't know you didn't make it but now that's I know it's almost even yeah. more of a it stinks harrowing tale yeah yeah Back, get Embarrassing more get than some, harrowing, I think. Get some stem cells. <laughs> Shoot them in, Doc. Yeah. We're oh, going geez. back. Yeah. Oh, well, I, I think I'll be able to do it. It's just going to take some time to get to get it back where it needs to be. Do you have any desire to do the uh, 46ers? I've already done that. You have? Yeah. How about winter? I, I st- uh, no. I've got like... F- How many do I have in my winter? I think I've got like five or six in my winter down. I kind of want to do winter. I have no desire for some reason to do the summer, but yeah. the winter, I love that it's, there's so few people and it's so yeah. dead. Up yeah. There. Like, it's, it's legit. It's, it but, is. but like, the, I mean, in the winter doing my winter, working on my winter 46, I've had some of the scariest moments of my life. <laughs> you know, like one time a buddy and I were, we're up on top of Marcy, uh, which for those of you who don't know, it's the highest peak in New York and, um, it's low comparatively, but it's, it's a, wicked up there, you know. Take it, you nine, nine and a half hours. There and back, average, yeah. Average. <clears throat> yeah. And that, that's in the summer. Winter's right. usually longer. But um, we got up there, and the wind was so strong we couldn't stand. It was just knocking us over. Even with, you know, crampons, two-inch spikes, I couldn't stand. And we got pinned down behind this, this big boulder for like 25 minutes. Oh. And we couldn't even stick our head up to look because it was ripping up chunks of ice off the rock and like whipping it at you. And we finally got a break in the wind and foolishly, we like sprinted to the top, <laughs> you know. Um, and, <laughs> and then we got pinned down again uh, on the way down. And I tried to like roll off this rock to land like on a lower rock. And the wind was so strong. It, you know, I was only dropping two or three feet. I was on my, my belly, uh-huh. you know, with my toes dug in and stuff. And it pushed me back like six feet before I hit the ground. I mean, the wind was, it was nuts. Jeez. I mean, I've, I've, I've done a buck 70 on motorcycles and picked my head up and it was about the same feeling <laughs> with oh. the wind. <laughs> it was, it was, it scared the snot out of me. I was like, we might not make it off this, you know, if, if this wind doesn't die down. I had a day, it wasn't that bad, but I was on right peak in the winter with some friends and we were just... Yeah, we made it up there, and then the wind picked up, and we yeah. were just eating lunch behind this rock pile, like huddled together in yeah. a mass until it died down, yeah. and then got the hell off that mountain. Yeah, yeah, yep, Jeez. yeah. It can be, <laughs> it can be rough. I was on top of Gothics a couple years ago with a bunch of guys, and we did we did like the, uh, you know, a portion of the Great Range. We did uh, Saw Teeth Pyramid, Gothics, Armstrong, Upper and Lower Wolf Jaw as a day hike, which is it was punishing. Uh, it was like 15, 15 something, 15 or 16 miles. And like, uh, I think about 11,000 feet of elevation. And, uh, we just, I mean, it was like, we started early and we got done <laughs> real late, you know, and on top of gothics, I think the wind chill, uh, the ambient temperature was around zero and we had about 60 to 70 mile an hour winds. So with the wind chill, it was like, you know, 45 below or something stupid like that. Oh. You know what I mean? So it was like, it was pretty nasty. And like, I had some exposed skin on my face, my cheeks, and they oh. were like, they were burnt for like two weeks. Just cut. And we were only up there for a couple minutes. It was, it was wicked. <laughs> That's where the uh, down 
comes in handy yeah. big time. I'm thinking about getting, I think First Light, and I know there's some other companies, they make some really like cool like zip up, mm-hmm. down like coverall type pants. And yeah. I was thinking, eh, maybe that, maybe that's yeah. what I'll get for the top of the mountain. Yeah. Because you need something, you know, you're going up, you're yeah. taking the layers down, you get up there, you got to cover up quick. Yep. Yeah, definitely. That's the number one mistake I see people make is they get to the top of the mountain in the winter and they're hot, they're warm, and they don't start taking out their extra layers to put no, them all I, on. And I, stop, I stop before I hit the summit, you know what I mean? And I layer up, even if I'm hot. Because when I get up there, I don't want to be no. I don't want to be fooling around, especially with the way the wind gets in the winter. I think you know? a lot of people underestimate how quickly your body temperature will drop up there. Oh, especially if you've been sweating on the way up. If you haven't layered down, you know, because there's times where it's zero degrees and I'm... I'm like in my, my base layer and Mm -hmm. maybe a light jacket, Exactly. maybe, you know, and I'm, and I'm doing everything I can to not sweat because it, even if you start layering up and you, and you've been sweating, like you're in trouble up on top, big trouble for sure. Well, on that note, this has been the adventurous gentleman podcast. Please subscribe, like, follow us on Instagram. Check out Rev Hiker and his channel. Drew, thank you very much for coming on today. I really enjoyed talking with you. Hope you all enjoy listening. We appreciate each and every one of you out there. Also, if you get a chance, head on over to mountainops.com. Use the coupon code TAG10 at checkout for 10% off any and all supplements. And if you want some free swag when you order your optics go to mavenbuilt.com and when you place an order enter the coupon code nbhgift at checkout and they'll send you some free maven swag and they're both great companies run by great people highly recommend checking them out for the adventurous gentleman podcast live life with vigor